You are listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church in Rainbow City, Alabama. More information about our church can be found online at www.12th.co. Good morning, everybody. I'll try that again. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. It's good to be with you as we gather together. I uh, ask for your prayers as we have a lot to cover today, so I... I encourage you to open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 14. As you do, let me take a brief moment to uh, ask, right, there you are, to ask Max to come up here. I know that um, we are not able to gather around like we normally would as we pray over someone who is going back to a different mission field, but Max uh, has served faithfully here over the summer. You may not know Max. You may have only seen him in video or heard him speak at something digitally or seen him running around here on Sunday mornings. But uh, Max was a guy who had a plan. He was at Moody Bible Institute, and God had kind of guided him to a path of going to Brazil over the summer. And instead, God brought COVID-19 to the world and allowed that to come, I should say, and uh, changed plans for many of us, including Max. And so as uh, I was approached from one of our staff to consider bringing Max on as an intern for the summer... um, You know what, we we decided to pray and pray boldly and we decided to take a risk. We felt the Lord gave us clarity to take a risk on a guy I didn't know personally. I met him one time before and uh, man, the Lord has been faithful and delivered us a servant who not only has demonstrated for, for us a desire to serve the Lord, but has encouraged us and inspired us as those on staff to be more like Jesus. And so we have been blessed to not only know him as a brother, but to now call him brother in the faith. And so I want to pray for him. I'll lay hands on him for all of us. And you guys pray with me as we pray to commission him as he goes back to be a light of the gospel in Chicago. Father, we thank you so much for the joy that we've had in seeing this young man love you and serve you and be obedient to you in all ways. And Lord, I know that he's had struggles over the summer. I know that it's been not easy at all, all the time being home and and being in a place where he did not know he would be. But Lord, we know you have been faithful and we have been encouraged and inspired to love you more and to yearn to be more like Jesus because of him. So we ask you, Lord, now, would you bless him and keep him as he goes back to Chicago? Would you use him in mighty ways as he carries the light of Jesus with him and that you would use his good works, his good deeds, his, his speech, his words of the gospel to bring many to faith, to encourage the body and, Lord, to make much of your son Jesus and bring you much fame to your name. So, Lord, we ask you all that in Jesus' name. Amen. I also want to take a a moment before we get into the word to just let you know, as I spent a little time with the Fraser family yesterday who were here in our midst, that they wanted to make it very clear. Stephen asked me directly if I would let you all know that, and I'll try to do my best at reiterating this, Stephen, that he firmly believes, they firmly believe that the grace and mercy they've received from the Lord during this difficult time for their family has much to do with the fervent and continued prayers of the saints in this faith family and beyond. And he wanted to say thank you. It has been difficult. It continues to be difficult. And so I I ask you to continue to pray as I know you will for his family. And I ask you to do so fervently as they still seek answers for for how to care for his mother and for others in his family. So if you would, please let him know you're praying for him. Uh, We need to let him know how we'll care for him. Many of you have already done that. 
Thank you for being the faith family we should be. Let's continue to serve them and love them as best we can in the power of the Holy Spirit. As we look at Matthew chapter 14 today, I want you to know as a background that uh, I had... I had a plan that I thought the Lord had given us to be in that last series we were in up until last week for five weeks. We had seen that plan. It had come together over time. We did go through all those scriptures. The Lord did give us that. But I had either seen it a little wrong or the Lord just made a shift in gears when the timing was right. But about four weeks ago, as we were approaching the third sermon sermon in that series, uh, I was restless in my spirit as I poured over it. It was Tyler's week to preach. And I just could not get over the fact that I felt like the Lord was saying, we need to make a little shift. And so I prayed with Tyler, asked him to pray over that. And we uh, brought the sermons three and four into one. And so that's what you heard Tyler preach. And he started that on that Monday of that week. And from that point on, I was like, okay, Lord, we've got a gap in our, our, our calendar that we felt like you've given us. And so what is that gap for? Uh, after only a day of praying, the Lord put this passage uh, in my view. I continued, though, to seek the Lord on it. In fact, I probably frustrated some of our staff because I would not give them where we were going because I just didn't know. I was like, Lord, is this really it? Is this where you want me to be? I don't understand. Uh, But it was clear. And so we have uh, found ourselves now by the Lord's leading several weeks ago to be in a story that most of you probably grew up hearing at church at some point in time, a story of Jesus walking on the water. And I think that it is one that uh, it exemplifies one of our core values as a church to, to, to make bold, prayerful moves. I'm titling it this week, Bold, Prayerful Risks. We'll explain why in a minute. But I just want you to know that the Lord is good and gracious, and I want you to walk with us through this and let us seek out that the Lord would give us clarity for our lives individually and corporately and that we would be obedient to his will. So let me begin just by praying for us, even now in that endeavor, and then we will work through the word. Father, you are our God, and not only our God, you are our Father. Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us in Jesus. We thank you that you were bold in sending him, and that he was bold in being obedient for your sake and for ours. And Lord, now we endeavor to have you speak to our hearts and shape our lives and shape this faith family in a way that we would be able to make much of you even more than we would have without this. So Lord, we ask you to guide our hearts, open us up to hear the word, to receive it, and to be shaped and changed according to the image of your son for your glory. And I ask all of that in Jesus' name. Amen. Forgive me, I'm a, it wasn't that hot this morning, but I was in the sun, and so I'm a little bit uh, parched. I'll probably stop in a couple of times to take a sip of water. Charles was so great to throw me a bottle of water right after I was done. Um, I'm kind of a sweater anyway. I don't know if any of you guys are sweaters, but uh, it was uh, a little rough out there. So I went back and took a fast shower and got back in here as soon as I could. Um, so don't get too close, though. I'll make sure I hit all the parts. Um, Let me explain this uh, text a little bit as we get going. Today, I believe that this text points us to a truth that is all throughout the scripture. It's one that I think that we should hold on to and one that we should endeavor to seek the Lord in at all times. Basically, it's this, if I had to put it into a statement, that taking bold, prayerful risks is the way of Jesus. This is his way. Uh, This is what he has demonstrated for us. This is what he has called us to. And as a Christian, this is our endeavor and our mission. In fact, I would say it, though, to make sure we're clear, that taking bold, prayerful risks does not mean being reckless. 
does not mean being reckless. There are faith families across our country that are Christians who are taking some, what I would say are reckless moves. There's one guy in California that I've read. He is a much smarter man than I. He's walked the Lord much closer. I'm sure that he is much closer to Jesus than even I am. But I feel like that since they are not trying to abide by the social distancing things our health officials encourage us to do, uh, they are not trying to wear masks and do things. I do think it's a little bit reckless, but I do appreciate their desire to gather. And so I think that taking bold prayerful risk is good, but it should not be reckless. I would also say that taking bold prayerful risk means this. It does not mean being reckless, but it does mean seeking God's will through prayer and then being boldly obedient no matter the risk. That's what it means to follow Jesus. In fact, I would would even say it like this to talk about risk, that risk in the eyes of the world is not risk when it is God who directs our path. To the others, it may look like risk, but to us, we know that when God calls us to something, it is not a risk, it is a surety, and that we must be obedient. When he directs our path, what that world calls risk, we call obedience. This is the way of Jesus. And so today, I want to encourage you as one who has poured over the scriptures in this path, but who is yet a man who is a sinner. You'll see more of that later, if you haven't seen enough of it already. And I encourage you to seek the Lord on what he would have you to do individually and to pray with us about what he might have us to do as a church from here forward, as always. Look at Matthew chapter 14, verse 22 through 33. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. That weird word immediately is all throughout this book here of Matthew's account of the gospel. Uh, What had just happened before this is Jesus fed the 5,000, which was really multiple thousands more than that, but counting the men at least, it was 5,000 people. He just fed the 5,000. They were engulfing him because they just got fed. That's what we do. Somebody feeds us, we hang out. You know what I mean? We're good Baptists. We do that. We flock around them, thank them for the green beans. We thank them for all the good stuff. Everybody was flocking to him because of this miracle where he fed people with not enough food for even a big family, and he fed everybody. And so as he did that, he then immediately sent his disciples into the boat to go before him to the other side of this big thing they call the Sea of Galilee. We've got to call it a giant lake, knowing how we think about things. And uh, he then dismissed the crowds. It says, verse 23, after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat by this time was a long way from the land beaten by the waves. In fact, the Greek word there is the word for torment, tormented by the waves. For the wind was against them. In other words, they were going out in the land. Uh, Other places in Scripture that tell this story talk about it is in there probably about two to three miles out, right in the middle of this big open water. Uh, And in this big open water, the way the mountains would come in in the north, it would create this, this great streamline of storms that would just pop up almost out of nowhere and bring in great terrible storms across this giant body of water. And it could, many people have been lost at what you might call sea in this way because of the storms that come up all of a sudden. And these guys were being tormented by these waves for the wind was against them. It was, they were going into the wind. It was not going well. And then we see in verse 25, and in the fourth watch of the night, he came to them. Fourth watch of the night, by the way, is about 3 to 6 a.m. That's the Roman time frames. So they had started before dark, because in the evening he went up on the mountain. They started before dark, and they went out in that water. It shouldn't take this long to get across, but they were still in the middle of this body of water up until at least 3 a.m., struggling because they were being tormented by this storm. Okay, so then we see this fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. Yes, walking on the sea. 
Many call this a myth. They want to say this is made up. Truth is, the Bible says it. God's clearly telling us this son of his is not just human, but fully God himself. The one who created that sea and that through him this was made is now walking on the sea. And he can do that because he's God. And then we see in verse 25, that fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. Really, like an apparition would be more the word. And they cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, take heart, it is I, do not be afraid. More literal literal translation is be courageous. That's what this term is almost always uh, defined as when you see it in the rest of Scripture. Be courageous. He doesn't say it is I. The words are ego I me. You might have heard that before from a pastor talking about it or from your studies. It is him saying, be courageous, I am. That's his words. Be courageous, I am. Do not be afraid. We hear that all over the scriptures. Jesus says it now to the disciples. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you on the water. Sounds like Peter, doesn't it? (laughs) Most of the guys probably wouldn't do that. Peter's kind of the impetuous one. We're not surprised Peter's the guy that wants to jump on the water. But here he prays out to the Lord, calls out to the Lord. He says, if it is you, Lord, command me to come to you on the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, which means he saw the waves lapping, he saw the waves. When his eyes got off of Jesus, when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand, took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. I want to just back up here and let us walk through this one step at a time. If you would endeavor with me, look back at verses 22 through 24. Let us unpack this. With a story like this, you have to take the story at face value, and you have to understand that there is a great one truth usually in a story. While there may be a bunch of sub-truths, there are, there's always at least one major point in these stories and the reason why God gives them to us. And again, like I believe here, he's encouraging us to say that taking bold, prayerful risks is the way of Jesus It lines up with the rest of Scripture. I think we'll see it here. Look at verse 22 through 24. Immediately he made the disciples get into the boat and go before him to the other side while he dismissed the crowds. And after he dismissed the crowds, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat by this time was a long way from the land, beaten or tormented by the waves, for the wind was against them. You've heard it before in many ways. I want to just say it to you again because here we see another example of it that God sovereignly directs our path always, even into great and difficult circumstances. He ushered these guys into the boat to go ahead of him, even though he knew what was coming. Even though he knows what we are residing in right now, he is still sovereign, and he is sovereignly directing our paths. And he knows where we will be right now, where we will be tomorrow, where we have been. And he is not surprised by that. And we should not be surprised that he is still sovereign, even when the times are difficult, like it was for these guys, trying their hardest to get to the other side, but unable to get there. God sovereignly directs our path always, even into difficult 
difficult and sometimes overwhelming circumstances. Look at verse 25. In the fourth watch of the night, he came to them walking on the sea. I don't know about how many of you guys struggle to sleep sometimes. Anybody in here struggle sometimes to sleep? Okay, a few of us. Uh, some of us are workaholics too. Sometimes we can't quit working and we work through the evening on things. We have deadlines and we have to stay up late doing that sort of thing. I don't know about you, but when I do that, the most difficult hours of the day for me are always those last few before the sun come up, right? Hours 3, 4, 5 a.m., those kind of hours. That's the hardest. That's when I find myself really struggling. Here we see these guys rowing, 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 trying to get where they're going. They're getting nowhere. The headwind is against them. They're struggling, being tormented by the waves, going and going. And in the darkest hour of the night, Jesus comes to them. I want you to hear me. But this is not only happening here. It's all throughout the scriptures. In the darkest hour of your soul, darkest hour of your life, Jesus comes to you if you are his. He comes to you. And if you're not his, he may come to you to make you his. He comes to you because he loves you. Even though they surely felt as though everything was working against them, Jesus came to them in their darkest hour, in their darkest hour of need, because he is always for us and he loves us. That is good, brothers and sisters. In the midst of our struggles, in the midst of our circumstances, he is with us, and he will come to you and manifest himself in a way you need him in the moment of your greatest need. You may not even recognize it at first. These guys sure didn't. Spurgeon, as you know, one of my favorite guys to read, he says it like this, one happy fact remains. Jesus is pleading on the shore, though we are struggling on the sea. See that? They're struggling to see what's he doing. He's praying. We don't know what he was praying for, but I can't imagine it didn't at least include these guys. And I can tell you this right now, that as we go through struggles in this life, as we struggle through all these things we face right now, and we'll go through in our life the hardest of the hard, we can know this, that our Savior is also our interceder, and he stands at the right hand of the Father, interceding on our behalf ceaselessly, tirelessly, always for us. And what a glorious truth to know that our Savior, who does not have to do that, does that because he loves us. He's pleading on the shore, though we are struggling on the sea. Spurgeon goes on, it's also comfortable to know that we are where he constrained us to go. And he has promised to come to us in due time. And therefore, all must be safe, though the tempest rages terribly. What a glorious picture of God's goodness. Look at verse 26 and 27. But when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified. That word in some way is used over and over again here. Terrified, afraid. It says they were terrified when he saw them and said, it's a ghost, it's an apparition. Uh, many people back then would think that when storms come up, that must be the evil spirit over that area that's trying to bring harm to you. Or maybe they thought it was an evil apparition, a demonic one that was coming against them. They cried out in fear. But immediately Jesus spoke to them saying, be courageous, take heart, ego I me, I am. Don't be afraid. Do not fear. I am. Be courageous. In the face of fear, all over the scriptures we see it, God commands us to be courageous. For he is God and we are his, brothers and sisters. That is good, but all too often our eyes get off of that truth. Our hearts waver. Our fears overwhelm. 
doesn't mean you're a bad Christian. It just means we've got to reset our eyes back on the Lord. That's why we need a faith family to encourage us, direct our paths, move us along back to the Lord. That's why we need small groups to do that. Listen to what Romans 8 tells us. We were not long ago in this. You should remember, right? Romans 8, 15 through 18. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. It doesn't mean you won't cry out to him. It doesn't mean you won't have fear. He said, but we don't have a spirit of fear that enslaves us. In those moments, we cry out like a little child to his father, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Isn't that beautiful? Don't you want to be glorified with him? He says, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that's to be revealed to us. They are big and they are real but it's nothing compared to the glory of being with him. This is true. It is good for our hearts. And he calls out and he says, be courageous, do not fear, I am. I am. Verse 28. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. And isn't that a crazy statement? To me, that's a crazy statement. I like the water. I love the water. In fact, I grew up being in the water. My first job was lifeguard. I lifeguarded for 10 years amongst other jobs I did during those times. I love the water. I love being in it. I like to scuba dive. I like to swim. I sometimes wonder why I wasn't a fish. I really enjoy the water. But I can tell you right now, in the middle of a storm on the ocean, it is not very fun and it's not great thoughts to get in the water. When I went to do my open water dives to get certified when I was back in college, we were in Panama City in the bay, and uh, while we were getting ready to go out, a storm was rolling in. They said, we're going to try it anyway. So if you've ever been to the bay down there where it comes out into the gulf, you ever seen a storm roll in? You ever seen how big the waves get? I had never noticed before, like I noticed that day because I was in the boat. But we had a big party boat of people, a lot of people were going to scuba dive, and we started going out, and we were hitting swells. It felt like 30 feet. I'm sure they were only 10. But it was overwhelming and it was fearsome. Now, there were some guys that weren't afraid. They were there riding their jet skis, hitting those waves beside the rocks. Crazy in my mind. It looked like a lot of fun, though. But I am not the guy that wants to go in the water right then. We turned around, went back in the bay, and did our dive in the bay. I was very thankful. I can tell you it's a fearful thing. But Peter here, he steps out. We know Peter. He's the guy that's brash, right? He steps out and says, Hey, if that's you, Jesus, call me out to come walk on the water to you. Call me out. I'm sure the other guys probably rolled their eyes like, oh, here he goes again, right? <laughs> here he goes. But notice, he didn't just jump out of the boat. He could have done that. That's the Peter we know, the guy that when Jesus is going to be arrested, Peter pulls out the sword and lops the ear off of the guy. And Jesus says, no, no. This is the plan, Peter. Stop. And he picks up that ear and heals that guy. That's not what happens here, though. Peter cries out to the Lord first. Lord, if it's you, command me to come to you on the water. In verse 29, Jesus said, come. He commands him, come. This is a guy who prays to his Savior, talks to him. That's what praying is. He prays to him and he asks him, if this is you, then command me to come out. And the Lord says, come. You see, prayer for boldness and direction. Prayer for boldness and direction from God always, always should be the Christian's response to fear and calamity. That should always be. I know we'd all agree with that. Our response should always be, Lord, give me boldness, give me clarity. What should I do right now? Is it this, Lord? Is it this, Lord? 
Whatever it is, Lord, tell me to do it. Boldness and prayer. To be with Jesus on his mission should always be our ultimate desire and prayer despite our circumstances. And I know that's the desires of this faith family. If you look at Acts 4, we see the same thing happening where Peter and John are boldly following the commands of Christ. You can put your finger here and turn if you want. We're going to look at a few passages real quick. Peter and John are boldly following the commands of Christ to proclaim the gospel even in the face of great danger. Danger that eventually leads to Peter's death, to him being, as far as tradition goes, being crucified upside down because he said he was not worthy to be crucified like his Savior. And to John's exile, being left on the island of Patmos. Here's what we see. These guys are sharing the gospel. They're preaching the word. Acts 4.13. The Pharisees have brought them in and they have arrested them. And they've arrested them, and they hold them over for trial. It says, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated common men, they were astonished. And they recognized that they had been with Jesus. You remember that passage, I'm sure. Because of their boldness, and because these were stupid guys (laughs) in their eyes, they recognized these guys must have been with Jesus, right? Right? So the world saw these guys must have been with Jesus. They were bold with the gospel, even though they were uneducated common folk. So in Acts 4.18, Pharisees charged them. It says, they called them and charged them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, whether it's right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than to God, you must judge. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. This is what we must do. What are we going to do? We saw Jesus raised from the dead. What are we going to do? I hear what you're saying, you've got to decide if it's right or wrong, but we've got to do this. And they left there, they were released after that admonishment, and they went back to the folks who were waiting on them, the brothers and sisters. In Acts 4.29, the rest of them prayed together with Peter and John. It says, and now, their prayer is this, and now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness while you stretch out your hand to heal. And signs and wonders are performed through the name of your holy servant Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. So they prayed for boldness, boldly praying for God's directive will, and then he filled them with boldness. Look at that. Peter, boldly, Lord, if that's you, call me out. Come out there to you. And Jesus says, come. He says, come. And when Jesus said, come, what happens? Look at verse 29. He said, come. So Peter got out of the boat and walked on the water and came to Jesus. That's amazing in itself. We could just stop there. We're not, but we could. You see, when Jesus commands us to come to him, our answer must always be, yes, Lord. Yes. Whatever it is. It may take a while to get there. It takes me a while. A lot of times I mentioned earlier, it took me a while to get to the place. I thought he was telling me to go here, but I did not know for sure. So I saw him and I saw him and eventually it was very clear. Yes, Lord, here we go. Right? That's our only answer. That's the only right answer before the Lord. But let's see what happens. He gets out there. He walks in the water and goes to Jesus. It's not perfect though, is it? But the answer must always be yes, Lord. You see, the the logic I would have been thinking is the same logic I was thinking about on that big ship rolling out into the bay and then onto the gulf. That logic and wisdom of this man was telling me, don't do it. Do not do it. Don't jump out there. I'm not jumping out there right now as a scuba diver. We must know, though, that the logic and wisdom of men must never supplant our prayer to take bold, prayerful risks when it's in faith and when God makes it clear. 
That's always true. Some of the other disciples surely thought Peter was crazy. In fact, given enough time, I'm sure, they didn't have much time, it didn't seem like, we don't know. But given enough time, I'm sure some of them would have certainly tried to convince Peter that such action would be disastrous or at least unwise and impetuous. Peter's known for being impetuous. We know this. But obedience to Jesus must always supersede our logic, our circumstances, and our fears. No matter what that is. It may just be simply that you need to go to sleep. You're worrying too much. You need to get in your word. You don't spend enough time with me. But I got to do this and this and this. I don't have time to get it all done. That's okay. The Holy Spirit says get in the word. You must be obedient every time. Proverbs 3, 5 through 10 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him, and he will make straight your paths. Be not wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord. Don't fear the storm, right? Do not fear. Fear the Lord. And turn away from evil. It will be healing to your flesh and refreshment to your bones. You've probably experienced that before. If you love Jesus and you've been walking with him for any length of time, you have had him indicate to you to do a certain thing. And when you do it, even if it's hard, even if it feels risky, even if you're really nervous about it, once you do it, he refreshes your soul. He overwhelms you with his mercy and grace. Brings healing to your bones. He goes on, he says, Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. Watch out, Baptist. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with your first fruits of all your produce. Then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You know what, brothers and sisters? You have been faithful. You have been faithful in so many things and not the least of which is your faithfulness and your generosity to this faith family. Even in times such as this, we have not been left wanting to accomplish the missions and ministries that you have given us and that the Lord has called us to because you have been faithful. And this is not the beginning of your faithfulness. You've been faithful in hard times, faithful in good times, and you are faithful, and I thank you. And I will not speak now the numbers directly, but I will say this to give you an idea because you need to know. And sometimes some people, if I've heard pastors say, I can't tell them where we are in the books because if I do that, they'll quit giving. That's not the truth, though. We know that's not true. We want to see how faithful the Lord's people are. So we can rejoice. That encourages us to be more generous oftentimes. And I want to tell you this, that no matter how much you think it's been a hard struggle, and it has been for so many and maybe for you, but I will tell you this, your faithfulness over the years, over the life of this church, the faithfulness of 12th Street Baptist Church to the kingdom and to the mission has been fruitful over and over and over again. And now, even though just a few years ago, we were really concerned about financially if we could do what we felt like we needed to do. I can tell you that today we have not quite as much, but almost as much money in our cash reserves as we have in debt at this point in time. And that's an amazing truth. That is glorious. Praise the King for doing that through you. Thank you for being obedient and generous. May the Lord bless you and keep you. And may He continue to lead you to be generous so that we can be faithful in your mission in the mission that he's given us and he calls us to and gives us ownership in. Look, this church has had 120 years of taking bold, prayerful risks at the command of Jesus. There's no doubt in that. I have known my whole life about this church and what it has been doing. And he has filled our barns with plenty so that we might continue our rich history of taking bold, prayerful risks to serve the saints and the lost in our community. You guys 
took a crazy risk, so crazy that people wrote articles on it, to move to this location to buy a dilapidated Kmart building in order to reach more people for Jesus. You have a history of taking bold, prayerful risks, and I thank you for it. I thank you for your generosity and your willingness to do whatever the Lord says. I know it was hard to leave the beautiful place you left, to, to leave the place where so many memories were, where so much was built into it, and how much it still means you to, to you today. But you obeyed the Lord, and I thank you for that. You don't need my thanks, but I do. I thank you. It leaves a long legacy for people like my children to know and to follow the Lord and to see what our legacy is as a faith family. And God continues even now to fill our barns with plenty for the purposes for which he's called us. We, his church, we are the light of the world. We are the light of Etowah County, along with other faithful churches. And not all are faithful churches, brothers and sisters. There are churches in this area that have not been faithful to the Lord or to his calling, and they are sidelined when they are not faithful and obedient. And he removes them from the mission, and they become clubs instead of churches. But this church is not one of them. This church has been faithful. This church has been continuously faithful, and I praise the Lord for it. We are his church. We are the light with these other churches that continue to be faithful. We are the light in Etowah County. He says it in Matthew 5. Along with these other churches, we are a city set on a hill and should not and cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket or put it on a, they put it on a stand instead, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, we must let our light shine before others so that they may see our good works which are really his good works that he created us for and saved us for, Ephesians 2. You see, our good works and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. Listen, I'm not saying we take crazy risks for the sake of being bold. That's reckless. We should be circumspect and careful to care for our faith family, to care for our own family, to care for your own self, especially in times of danger and calamity. We should always seek to be wise in our endeavors, but let us not rest in the wisdom of our minds, which are tainted with sin. Instead, let us always, first and foremost, rest in the wisdom of God, which is infinitely greater and infinitely wiser than our own logic. The way to acquiring such wisdom, the wisdom of God, is to permeate our hearts and our minds with God's own word. And then we must fervently pray for God to make known to us his path in the midst of our circumstances. That is what we are called to do. That is what it means to be a follower of Christ. And if his word commands it, we need no more instruction. He's already spoken. We can pray how, we can pray when, but we need no more instruction. We must obey, no matter the risk, quote, risk. You know, it's not risk if God calls it to us, calls us to it. And if his word is not so clear, then we must fervently pray, asking him to reveal the path to which he is calling us, just like Peter did. Lord, call me out there. And Jesus said, no, he should have stopped and hopefully would have. But he said, come to Peter. What's he saying to you? What's he saying to you individually? What's he saying to us as a faith family? What is, what is he saying? Have you heard him speak? Are you being obedient? Have you fervently, relentlessly prayed to seek that? If you have, are you being obedient to that? This is our calling. So let us boldly and prayerfully, obediently serve his call. Serve this body, the other saints in our community, and to seek and to save the lost. That is the thing to which we are called. This is our calling while we're on this earth. Taking bold, prayerful risks is the way of Jesus. And even when we respond to God in obedience, 
There will be times of struggle. Go back and look at this, verse 30 through 33. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus immediately reached out his hand and took hold of him, saying to him, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased. And those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Even when we respond to God in obedience, it is easy for our eyes to shift focus onto our circumstances. But fear not, brothers and sisters. Jesus is always there to save us, even in the midst of our doubt and lack of faith. Even when we step out of the boat, uh, boat, out of the boat in bold, prayerful obedience, we will still have moments where we lack the faith. We lack the faith to follow through. But even then, God is with us, and He will save us. His salvation might come in a glorious miracle. In such a way that this glorious miracle of salvation might be to continue life on this planet until he comes back for us. Or his salvation might come in the glorious rapture of our souls to take us home to be with him even now. We've experienced this alone in our faith family, both of these divergent things, which are truly still both salvation of the Lord. Isn't he good? No matter what happens, if we are his, we are saved. Whether in the now and then later again or whether it just, as we go now, we are saved. We have nothing to fear for he is God. I must share with you though where I have failed. I have had a lack of faith. I share this after conversing with Stephen about my lack of faith and him giving me the go ahead to do so. Yesterday, as we had endeavored hours in prayer in various means with my family, by myself, for Stephen's family and for his parents, um, and we got, my wife got the call. I was outside doing some work, praying alone, and um, she had the call from Lisa that his dad had passed. Immediately, my heart was broken, and immediately, I sensed the Holy Spirit saying, go, go to him. Right after that, in came in the question, what if I put myself at risk? What, what if I set myself up to put my family at risk, my, my, love, my wife, my love very much, my children? And the Holy Spirit gently nudged, go. As I began to walk back inside, I picked up my phone and called and asked if I might come over. And then my wife came and said, I, I have to go. So what are you talking about? She said, the, the Spirit is not letting me go. I have to go with you, Okay. And she said, but what, what happens if we might expose ourselves to something? I said, well, what's the Lord telling us? We pray together. Let's go. We know we have to go. We called my mom. She came over. She watched the kids. We took off. And even when I got there and I stepped out of the car and I saw Stephen in the driveway, my heart kind of leapt for my brother. And I was broken in my heart and overwhelmed with love for him. And at the same time, there was a catch in me that said, wait, 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 wait. You might expose yourself. I paused and I, like a kind of a skip step stopped. And the Holy Spirit said, go to him. I have not the faith, brothers and sisters. But the Lord supplied my need. And I embraced my brother and cried with him. And at times even rejoiced with him and his family. But I'm a man of little faith. 
Some of us struggle with moments, at least, of little faith. But God is always faithful. And when he says, come or go, our answer has to be, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever it is, yes, Lord. Because taking bold, prayerful risks is the way of Jesus. Jesus took the greatest of all risks, according to the world. He took the greatest of these because Jesus saw it as only obedience, but the world would call it crazy risk. He was called out by his Father to pursue a salvation of the people that had rebelled against him. And he left out of his eternal place by the Father to become one of us, and not only do it, but to serve us, and then in his service, to die on the cross in our place. That's what the world would call risk, sure risk. And instead, God called it obedience. And Jesus did it out of an abundance of love for his Father and with love for us, his adopted sons and daughters now because of what he did for us on the cross. But even he, as he went to the cross, prayed out, Father, I want to do whatever you want, but nevertheless, not my will, but yours here, but Lord, take this cup from me. But then he was resolute as his Father confirmed, go. And he said, yes, Lord. was hit in the heart with Spurgeon when he said this, how easy to have faith when we are close to Jesus. Lord, when our faith fails, come thou to us and we shall walk on the wave with you. The Lord did not just say a word and Peter rose out of that water. He could have. He reached down and grabbed him by the hand because he loves him so much that he reached out and touched him like he touched the leper, like he touched the woman when it touched him actually with the flow of blood for years, he touched him because he loved him and drew him up. Fearing men, fearing our circumstances, fearing pestilence or disease is never the way of Jesus. We must be wise, but that wisdom must start with wisdom from the Lord. Whatever he says, yes, Lord. Romans 8.31 says this. You remember this with me? Well, then... Shall we say to these things, if God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all. How will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. More than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are all being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loves us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Fearing God alone is the only way of Jesus. Bold, prayerful obedience is always the way, the only way of Jesus. And maybe today, that today's the first time you're hearing this truth. It's sinking into you in a way that you need to make a shift in your life. Maybe as a believer, you, you, you have an individual thing that you struggle with, and now you need to make some change. Then say, yes, Lord, and pray for boldness. Pray to step out and do what you should do. Maybe today, you, you've never heard this truth before, and today Jesus is calling to you. Come, come, step out of the boat. 
You come to me now. You've heard this over and over again. You know that you're not with me. Today I'm telling you to come. Maybe a surprise to you. You thought you were his. And he's saying, come. Today's the day you step out of the boat to walk on the water, to come to him. And when you falter, know that you will falter. He will be there to save you. And know that if he calls you, you must be obedient. It's what separates those who are his and those who are not. Let us walk in the ways of the Lord. Let us be obedient. For anything else that we do is anti our Father. So when he tells us, we go. When he calls us, we come. And we may ask out, Lord, let me do this. And he may say, no. Or he may say, yes, come. And our answer is to be, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Today I pray that you will say, yes, Lord. And that you will take bold, prayerful risks for the sake of the glory of God, for the sake of building up the church, for the edification of all the saints, and for the sake of seeking and saving the lost, that which Jesus Christ came to do when we were the lost too. Bold, prayerful obedience is always and the only way of Jesus. Lord, we need you now. I am unable. It has been proven to me even yesterday, Lord, that I am unable to be a great man of faith. I will never be a great man of faith, but you are a great God who has saved this sinner a man who needs you every moment of every day. Lord, would you open our hearts? Would you open our minds? Would you challenge us to be people of faith? Great faith, great because you put it within us. Great because it is your gift to us. That you would lead us and that we would be obedient. That you would call us and we would say, yes, Lord. That we would cry out to you in prayerful boldness. And that you would make clear our path by your word and even by your Holy Spirit, and that we would say yes, Lord, to whatever you lead us to do. For, Lord, we need you, and all we have is you. Lord, let us not walk in the ways of wisdom in our own right, but let us walk in the wisdom of you, Lord, which sometimes defies the wisdom of men. Lord, any other way is not the way of Jesus. Lord, I ask you to work in our hearts, to change us and shape us according to this word, your word, that we might look more like Jesus, be like Jesus more, do more like Jesus, so that you would receive all the glory, so that your son would be made famous in this place, in this county, in this world, and that we could say, yes, Lord, yes, Lord, thank you, Lord. It's in his name, in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon audio from 12th Street Baptist Church. Feel free to share this with anyone you meet, and we pray that this sermon helped you to be more like Jesus as 12th Street seeks to be a place where we can find forgiveness for the past and hope for the future.